There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders. I'm Danny Langloss, and this is Leadership Excellence. Today, I'm very excited to be talking with Julie Ruska. Julie is the CEO of Powerful Leaders. She's a certified high-performance coach and is helping leaders all over the world reach their full potential. Julie launched Powerful Leaders in April of 2020 after several years in coaching and has quickly become recognized as a top leadership coach, thought leader, and influencer. As I've gotten to know Julie, I've been blown away by her passion and energy to help other people. She has incredible insight into mindset strategies that help leaders get out of their own way, and she is driven to empower others to become the best versions of themselves and live life fully. I am so excited about this conversation because Julie is going to share the secrets of the world's most successful people. Thank you for joining us, Julie. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. I'm really excited to be here and share these secrets for the world's most successful people with you. It's really an honor, and thank you for that glowing introduction. Well, you've, you've earned it. Um, it's incredible what you're doing, and I'm, I'm inspired by you and what you're doing for other people. Julie, I wanted to start by asking, what are you most passionate about? What drives you? I'm really passionate about helping empower people to create lives they love. I think so often we get in this place in life where we're going through the motions, kind of like a hamster on a wheel. I like to call it sleepwalking through life, where you just are going through the motions. And a lot of times you're comfortable in life. You feel like things are fine, but there's a sense of restlessness, like there's a next level in life. And I like to help people identify what it is and then strategize a path to get them there. And you're, you're helping leaders all over the world do that, which is, which is so exciting. Julie, how did you become certified as a high-performance coach? This is quite an interesting, um, in my journey after my divorce, I was um, really kind of searching for what was next for me. I, at the time I was an elementary school teacher, but I was heavy in the yoga world. And I really knew that I was put on this earth to help have a greater impact on people's lives and help them develop lives that they love as I was on my journey, creating a life that I love. And during that time, I saw a quote that said, it must be our main aim in life to rekindle the magic. And that was by Brendan Burchard. So immediately that touched my heart. And I thought, who is this man? I have to know about him. And so I, I got online and I saw that he had this high performance academy and this master's like virtual program for high performance living. And as I took the course, it was so brilliant to me. Everything was very strategic and easy to apply. And as I was working through it and teaching yoga also, I got into teaching yoga to help empower people to be the best versions of themselves, but I found it was just a tool. And through this high performance coaching, I'm like, ooh, if I could add that to yoga and meditation and really create a holistic coaching program, I could help people set the world on fire. I could really have a strong, powerful impact. So that's how I kind of got into the high performance world. And certified high performance coaching is 
a training with the High Performance Institute that Brendan Burchard does lead. So it was really cool to go and get that training. And I actually go back to that training every year to up-level my skills because I believe in life you should never be complacent. It's always about taking your life to the next level, whether it's in the area of career, relationships, emotions, or health. There's always something more you can do to live a charged life. I love that. And, and leadership is a journey. It's not a destination. And the thing I love about uh, this program and what you're doing is it's all based in research. When you get in to the habits and the pillars, these aren't things that somebody just made up. These are all based in a ton of research. You want to talk a little bit about the research that backs this? Yeah, the High Performance Institute researched over, they collected over a million assessments, including data analytics and empirical research to show, you know, what are the habits that the world's highest performers use consistently over time and how do leaders become successful? So it wasn't just haphazard. They did this research in over 150 countries around the world. And from that, they developed these six habits that help people achieve long-term success. Okay, so, so let's dive in here. So that we're, at first, for our listeners, we're going to dive into the six habits of high-performing leaders. And then we're going to talk about the six pillars of high performance. So Julie, if we can, let's begin with the habits. What are the six habits of high-performing leaders? Well, research indicates that the six habits of high-performing leaders are seeking clarity, generating energy, raising necessity, increasing productivity, developing influence, and demonstrating courage. Excellent. So very exciting. And, and as the listeners are, are listening to those things, we, those, those are so important. Uh, we want to start by unpacking and talking about seeking clarity. Yeah, for me, seeking clarity is the foundational element of all success in life. You have to be clear about who you are and how you're showing up in the world to really have an impact as a leader. So when we look at seeking clarity, there are four areas that you really want to seek clarity in. Clarity of yourself, clarity of your social interactions, clarity of your skill set, and clarity of service. Clarity of yourself really goes into specifically, as a leader, who do you want to be? How do you want to interact with people? And I like to think of this as kind of like the legacy you want to leave. At the end of your life, if someone were writing your eulogy, what are three words they would use to describe you? From there, it goes into social interactions. When you're engaging with other people, how are you showing up? Are you listening? Are you being compassionate? Are you empathetic? And also, are you charging those interactions with high levels of energy? From there, it goes into skill set. With skill set, it's really looking at what skills do you need to get to the next level of your life? And not only identifying those skills, but then taking action on those skills. Like every day, do one thing that's going to move the needle toward the goals that you have. And then the fourth component in clarity is really with service. Looking at how you can be of service to others, whether it's serving your colleagues, serving your family, or maybe doing volunteer work in the community. Wow great information. And so this really becomes about who are you? You talked about the foundational element, really knowing who you are and, and starting with that, building a great foundation. 
Yeah, it's so important that your words and your actions, you know, that integrity is there. Your words, your actions, your thoughts, they all align. So you're showing up as the best version of yourself. And the reason I consider it a foundational element is because if you don't have that, how are you living life? It's interesting when I start to dive in with clients that clarity is very ambiguous for a lot of people because they have gone on their path. Most leaders have been on this journey for a long time. They haven't gone back to the simple essentials. They haven't really revisited why they're doing what they're doing, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but like these things, who are you? How are you showing up? What are you bringing to the table now? Not what you used to be. What are you paths forward? Awesome. Excellent. So let's transition to generating energy. Yeah, this is one of my favorites because I truly believe you change the world by how you show up. And one of the sayings that used to hang above a lot of locker rooms um, years past was you're responsible for the energy you carry into a place. So I like to think about, again, with that clarity of self, it goes into energy. How do you want to show up in the world? And setting that as an intention each and every day. So if you want to bring enthusiasm to your career path, you have to wake up that morning and say, I'm going to be intentional about generating enthusiasm today. Another way to think about it is like a power plant. A power plant doesn't have energy. It generates energy. So how are you going to come up with that in your life and share it with the world? One of the things that I love the most about you, and there's so many things, is the way you generate and bring energy. You bring positive energy. You bring passion. You bring enthusiasm. And I never really thought about it. Your example about the power plant, right? You, you create energy and it comes from there, but the power plant itself isn't creating it, right? There's things that have to go into it. And you, as a leader, have to bring the energy and set the energy tone for your team. Absolutely. And I think this is a place that we don't think about. We get so focused on our goals and you know the trajectory, what everyone's working on, and we forget about how are you showing up? What is your presence in this world? And how does that affect the people around you? It really was clear to me years ago when I was an educator, if, um, you know, I have so much respect for educators. It is a very challenging place to be in the world, trying to train up our next generation. And a lot of teachers feel overwhelmed. So I was going into the school system every day and I just kept going home at night, feeling demoralized and drained and thinking, gosh, these people are so negative. And then one morning I was driving to work and it just occurred to me, this is before I had all the mindset training that I have now. It's like, Julie, you've got to be the light. Like you've got to be the one that raises the vibration there. You can't look around and say, oh, these people, you're responsible for what you're doing. And that day from that point on, I just kept going into work with that in mind, it is my responsibility to raise the levels of energy in this community. 100%. And when we take that personal responsibility, it really does shift things in amazing ways. 
when you think about generating the energy you bring, that drives the emotions. And we know emotions really drive employee engagement, morale, and, and culture. What, what great information. Raising necessity. This is so good, Danny. This is where you get into your why, the importance of what you're doing. I think a lot of organizations drop the ball here because they focus on how they're doing something and what they're putting out into the world. But if you think about some of the most impressive companies like Apple, for example, with the iPhone, they didn't say, here's a great phone, buy it. They created something and they looked at it from the why. Why would you buy it? Because it's going to change your life. You can look at your email, you can pay your bills, you can pretty much do everything on your iPhone. So why did the iPhone outsell all the other phones? Because Apple is focused on the why. And I think that's where leadership needs to come back together and look at that. Why are we doing what we're doing? Because when the why is solid, your how and your what just fall into place. Wow. Purpose alignment, it's such a big focus of our team, such a big focus of my own leadership style. And it, it begins when you hire people and you onboard them. You know, first and foremost, we got to hire purpose and mission-driven people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we have to intentionally connect our purpose and our why with their purpose and their why. And when you do that, the synergy and the energy that that creates it is phenomenal. And there are so many other components of that, but, but our why and that raising necessity is such a big part of who we are and, and, and our pathway to success. Right. And if you dive a little deeper into that, each, you have the overarching why for a company, but then each person should know the why of their position. Why is your position important to the overall good of this team and of the company? And when you have that, when everyone is coming from, I'm important, I'm part of the team, I'm necessary, that's where you see the people that end up in the Fortune 500 companies. And that, that's taking you from good to great right there. Right? Yeah, that's so, always. So There's, and, and again, that's always the next level, right? Raise the necessity. These are things, these six habits really will help people take their organizations, take their companies and up level everything. A lot of people don't see and realize why they're important. Somebody might say, I'm, I'm just a custodian. You know, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just a janitor. The importance of that position cannot be understated. We are a first impression society and they're, they're not just a custodian. They set the tone for what people think their first impression when they walk in a building. And now more than ever in COVID-19, the importance yeah. of these type of positions for safety and health, mm -hmm. there's no, I'm just fill it in. In our organization, there shouldn't be that in any organization. And as leaders, it's our job to help people see what their true impact and value is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you can do that, you will have so much more buy-in and people will be more motivated to work for your cause. 100%. Increasing productivity. This is something that, you know, we always talk about we're a productive society. We need to be more productive. Increase your productivity really doesn't involve working longer hours. It means working in a more focused way. So what I love to do with my clients is block scheduling, where you set out three projects every day that you're going to work on. 
and each project gets its own block of time. Research shows that after 50 minutes of time, your attention starts to wane, your energy starts to drain. So I have my clients actually set an alarm for 50 minutes, you focus, like 100% focus because there is no multitasking, that's a myth. Your brain actually can't do that. <laughs> so, so you are just doing that one project and then when that alarm goes off, no matter where you are, you have to stand up, you've got to move, close your eyes because we lose a lot of energy through our eye strain. So you close your eyes, take some deep breaths, maybe go get some water, maybe get some fresh air. You can't get off task, so you don't want this break to extend past 10 minutes, but take like two to 10 minutes and then sit back down. What's block number two? 50 minutes. And some people think that they can play with this. Oh, I'm gonna make it 90 minutes. It's not effective. The research really shows, do your 50 minute blocks, take your two to 10 minute break, come back, block two, take your break, block three. If you organize your life like that, most people can have a three to four hour workday instead of these long drawn out eight hour workdays where you spend half your time bumbling around talking to the person in the office next to you. This is such, this is probably one of my greatest struggles, you know, in, in my leadership role is not letting my days run me and having me run my days. And there become so many demands and so many, there's so many distractions really with email and text messaging and people walking in and out productivity. I know like if I work at home and I don't have those interruptions, I can accomplish eight hours of work in two hours. And so this is one of the big takeaways as I've talked to you about how do you increase that productivity? Now as leaders, we have tasks and things we've got to accomplish, but people are our goal. So we've got to have that fine line and balance, but I really love the strategy you've outlined here. And, and I'm trying to be from other conversations that you and I have had as our, as our friendship has grown a lot more intentional about this. Right. And it's important, you know, you, you mentioned the distractions, especially emails. Emails belong in a block of time. If we spend all day with the little ding on our computer letting us know when we have emails, you will get so distracted and you will not accomplish nearly the things that you can. You have to think of emails as an effective organizing system for other people's priorities. It's not you aligning and choosing, right? You're reacting when you're answering emails. So when you set out your productivity planner for the day, you're writing down, here are the three projects I need to work on. Here are the things I must accomplish no matter what. And set aside an actual block of time. If you have a lot of emails, then that's one block. It's an email block. Handle your emails. I do the same with social media. If you're a person who needs to work on LinkedIn, for example, for your work, then have a LinkedIn block. You can go back and visit it after work later tonight, that's fine. But make sure that you're not going on there 
every in your 10 minute breaks and then it becomes 30 minutes and 40 minutes it's what happens in our society and it's it's not a fault of our own we do have a society where there's information 24 7. so we have to be very intentional about focusing on our productivity accomplishing what we need to accomplish each day to move the needle and take our lives to the next level great information Great. So awesome. So developing influence. This is a beautiful one. You know, the best leaders in our world really have developed influence and left a legacy. And in developing influence is all about the impact we have on others. It's coming from a place of listening and serving, becoming a role model for your team, for your company, for others to look at and emulate. Listening, you know, I was talking with, uh, with Heather Younger. Uh, she's in the process of writing a book called The Art of Caring Leadership. And one of those principles is listening. About every training I've been to that's been a really good training on communication, they say the number one communication skill is listening. And when we listen to people, we say to them, you're important to me. You have value. I respect what it is you have to say. And that's all dials back to something you said a little bit ago about people want to feel important. They want to feel connected and know they're important to the team and to the outcomes. So listening is such a powerful skill that we've, that we've got to get better at as leaders. Right. I think in the old version of leadership, it was this perception that leaders had to have all this knowledge and kind of put it on their team instead of, hiring the right people, surrounding yourself with people who are creative and innovative, and then listening. And not only listening just because you want people to feel important, but listening because they actually are important and have brilliant ideas. You don't, it actually alleviates some of the pressure of a leader to know the people around them will help them, they'll lift them, they can work together. And so listening really has such a powerful impact on the team, the company, and the success. When you talk about influence, um, I've created a, a formula, and I like to create these like little, really simple, easy formulas. And so I look at leadership as influence, and it's deeper than that, but influence. Influence is founded in relationships, and relationships are founded in trust. And so we gotta build trust. We, we've gotta connect and develop those relationships. And from those relationships, and our impact on others, we develop this influence and influence ultimately is leadership. So the information you've shared here is, is so important. I just wanted to share that kind of framework because I believe when we're developing influence, it really becomes that simple. It's hard because <laughs> it can be a lot of work, right? right. Um, but it's so important and, and people are our gold and it's worth the investment. Right. And there's something, you know, what we talked about a minute ago with like being focused in your block scheduling and all of that, there is a time and place also to say, okay, now I'm connecting and do allow that time to talk to the people you work with, listen to them and not just listen to them about work. If you really look at the strong teams, they're checking in on how's your family doing? What's going on in your life right now? Is there anything I can do to help you? It, it goes so much deeper. And that's really where people, again, begin to feel like they're part of something greater, 
it's not just a company, it's a community. It's, it's a form of an extended family. And when you really connect on that deep level, that's when you're going to have a greater impact and be of better service as a leader. All those things, when you talk about this, I just get so excited because that's what drives high-performing cultures. That's what drives high-performing teams. Truly caring about somebody is caring about their full self. Um, it's not just about getting, a leader can't come in and communicate to get to their end means. They've got to generally care. And if you don't, people can see right through that. If you're not coming from, from that place in your heart and people who do just generate and develop tremendous amounts of influence. Right. And there are statistics that say up to 90% of people leave their jobs because of failure of this connection and feeling like they're valued on a team. It has nothing to do usually with money. It has to do with leadership and management and how they feel valued in a company. And so that's where listening, you really do when you've create, when you've created a powerful influential team where people feel valued, they're much more likely to stay. And overall, when you have people that have been in your company for years and years and years, they're going to be invested more so than someone that comes in, works with you for a year or two and takes off because they don't feel like they're part of anything. And that's something we really see with millennials. Millennials want to be a part of serving at a higher level. They don't wanna just make money. And so it's a different focus. And people complain a lot, I think, about the millennials and how they're not hardworking. Research shows they actually are. They just have a deeper drive for connection and feeling like what they're all about is significant. And so when leadership can see that, bringing on new younger people and mentoring them, that's a really important component of developing influence. So powerful. We're talking with Julie Ruska about the six habits of high-performing leaders. She's talked about seeking clarity, generating energy, raising necessity, increasing productivity, developing influence, and now the, the sixth habit, demonstrating courage. Oh yeah, this is a strong one here. So demonstrating courage is all about stepping into the unknown, stepping beyond the fears. And especially as we see happening in the COVID era of business, there's a lot of people that just get stuck. They, they don't know where to go and they would rather just maintain than take things to the next level. But really, this is such an opportunity to adapt and pivot and be open-minded. And, and the courageous leadership here really is you know what, I'm not sure what's gonna happen next month, next quarter, next year, but here's where we're going. So being bold enough to take things in a new direction, to rally people around you and say, this is what we're doing, come on, let's go. Wow, wow, that is, that is so awesome. We've talked about this a little bit before. You talk about fear um, and not being behind that fear. I think of a quote, Brendan Rogers, the former manager of Liverpool, uh, soccer team said, fear is a first class ticket to failure. It, and, it, and it really is. Everything you talked about taking advantage of this opportunity, we really believe, um, you know, challenge equals opportunity. 
the greater the challenge, the greater the opportunity. So you talking about being bold and, and seeing this as opportunity and, and rallying and challenging your team and then connecting them back to purpose. These are times the great companies will have incredible, incredible growth. They'll increase their employee engagement. They'll, they'll improve their cultures and their teams. Uh, this, is, this really is, even though it's such a hard time, such an opportunity. And I love the information you shared on demonstrating courage. Wow. Yeah, it's really amazing. At the beginning of COVID, I um, talked to a lot of influential leaders in the real estate industry, in the financial world, and they were all saying the same thing. This is like economic Darwinism and only the strongest will survive. Someone's got to end up on the top. Why not us? And if you adopt that strong mentality, like, yeah, this is hard. And you do have compassion for people. Of course, we have compassion for people who are struggling right now. But we can't get caught up in that energy. We have to stay aligned with our mission, for our company, for our team, and let's go. Like, yes, only the strongest survive. So let's be the strongest. Let's be bold. Let's be courageous. Let's pivot and adapt as we need to. And like, let's set the world on fire. Wow. So powerful. So Julie Ruska just unpacked the six habits of high performing leaders. And now Julie, we're going to take a transition to the six pillars of high performance. Julie, what are the six pillars of high performance? The six pillars of high performance are psychology, physiology, productivity, personal skills, presence, and purpose. So what we see when research is showing, like what is the missing link between these six habits and becoming successful? And it's really all about mastering these pillars of high performance, becoming a master of your psychology, your physiology, your productivity, personal skills, presence, and purpose. And the research shows that the most successful leaders have sought coaching and training in these areas. So let's kind of dive into them. The yeah. first one, right, being psychology, it's about mindset. It's looking at, like we were just talking about courage, courage versus fear, looking at your confidence levels, managing to reframe situations. So you look at challenges as opportunities. You don't stay stuck in the, oh my goodness, we didn't expect this. And this is where control comes in too. Taking control of the situation is so important because if you look at life it's always unpredictable. You're always getting curveballs. How are you going to hit the curveball? You keep your eye on the ball, right? It's, so it's the same with psychology. You have to stay focused regardless of what is happening around you. What is going to happen within you? How are you going to be the leader that takes your team to the next level regardless of all the noise, of all the hardship, of all the craziness that does come into the world, whether it's COVID or a natural disaster or an economic downturn, you have to master your mindset, reframe the negative into a positive. And it's not enough just to do that. Then you have to go the next step, which is creating those solutions. 
Wow, so much information there. Mindset is the difference. I think it's the foundation of all of our success. We have to, as I talk a lot about with our team, win the battle between our ears, get out of our own way. And sometimes that can be hard to do, but we choose what our mindset is. And we've got to surround ourselves. If we're struggling with the things you're talking about, we've got to surround ourselves with positive people. Uh, and, and you talked about this, a lot of times people need a coach. People need somebody to intentionally help us with them. Because you've talked about this with me before. When, when you're a coach, you're not worried about, you care about their feelings. You're paid to do a job. And as a friend, you might sugarcoat it. As a coach, yeah. you're going to very professionally call it out, identify it. Right. Absolutely. And if you look at like Michael Jordan, when Michael Jordan won his first championship, he actually hired more coaches because he was one of those people that always knew there was a next level. So it's like, okay, let's analyze, let's look at those tapes and see where I need to improve on my shooting. And I'm going to hire the shooting coach. Where do I need to improve on my conditioning? I'm going to hire the specific conditioning coach. So the world's highest performers don't slow down. They don't get to a point where they're like, I know all this. They're open-minded to learning and growing always. Physiology. Talk oh, about yeah. This is something we don't think about. But really, how can you be your absolute best if you can't make it energetically through your day? If at 2 p.m. you need a nap or you're going to get up and go get a candy bar or your fourth cup of coffee because you're trying to buoy yourself up. So the world's highest performers absolutely perform in the area of phys physiology at the highest levels. This involves eating healthy, exercising regularly, getting sleep. And it, it, these are basics, right? But common sense is not always common practice. You really have to look at, are you taking care of your physical body? Because if you are 70 pounds overweight sitting at your desk all day, chances are you're going to be more sluggish and then you're not going to be performing at your highest levels. You're not going to be generating the energy. You're not going to be as productive. And that is where I see a lot of leaders lacking. They'll focus on their career and they forget to focus on their physiology. You know, this is such an important thing. And during COVID-19, it becomes even tougher. I know for, for us, you know, and being the city manager of Dixon, it's the busiest time that my career has ever experienced. For about 10 weeks, it was seven days a week. Uh, on the weekends, it's about eight hours a day. During the week, it was 12 to 14 hours a day. And I did well early on of getting out on the bike, getting to the elliptical, trying to eat healthy. I'd given up soda uh, for a few months and I transitioned to coffee, which, you know, have a couple cups in the morning, but through this thing, what went was my exercise. What mm -hmm. went was, you know, that commitment and I, I fell off the wagon with, with soda and now I got to <laughs> figure a way to quit again. But I, I didn't take care of myself the way I was taking care of myself before, you know, and, and we've got to do it. It's so important. I've got a ton of energy um, but I found myself being sluggish and stuff. And now I've got that transition back and it, it is, it's really, we can't free, if we can't, if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't to the best of our ability, take care of others. And that's our job as leaders. 
Absolutely. And it is interesting. I've, I've done the same. I used to practice and teach yoga seven days a week. And when all the yoga studios closed, I was like, oh, I can do a home practice. You know, I used to teach yoga. I've got this. Well, your home practice becomes kind of soft. And then eventually you're like, yeah, I don't really feel like doing it today. And I've noticed that what, where it really impacted me when I cut out some of my exercise was on my sleep because I hadn't expended enough energy during the day when I'm sitting at my desk on Zoom calls all day, I hadn't expended enough energy physically to be ready to sleep at night. So it really does have a powerful impact that you sometimes don't see. So I encourage everyone listening to like get back on track with their physiology. Yeah, just you got to take that first step. Yesterday, I had some setbacks with my knee injury. I've got a torn ACL, torn meniscus. And so I had some setbacks on, on something there. But yesterday, I'd probably been ready for a week to get back on the bike. But yesterday, I'm like, I just got to take that step. And I had a friend who kind of held me accountable and went with me. And we had a great time. We rode 13 miles. It felt good. And now I'm ready. Now, I'm, now I've got that hunger to get back on my road bike. Um, but, but that's a big thing. Take that, take that step. Number three. Yeah, and I actually encourage people to schedule it in. Just like you have your block schedules, there's an exercise schedule. Absolutely. Absolutely. So because if it's not on your calendar, it's not sorry. If it's not on your calendar, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Like let's be real about that. If you don't actually schedule your exercise, it's like kind of like scheduling a date night. If you don't schedule it, it's not gonna happen. Absolutely. Which moves us into productivity. And you've touched on this. What, what's different about the six pillars within productivity than within the six habits increasing productivity? Uh, you know, there's not a difference here so much. The habits are really specifically what you want to start to develop. And then it comes into mastery with the, with the pillars of high performance. So now you've mastered effective time management and project management. And now you're kind of in that flow state of things are rolling. When you're working on the habits, you're beginning things, right? And when you move into actually being a high performer, they're innate. You wake up, you have your morning routine, you sit down, you get through your three blocks before lunch, and you're a powerhouse. And so that's really the difference in it. That's a really good question. The difference between the six habits and the six pillars is mastery. The six habits are where you're working, you're seeking, you're generating, you're raising and increasing, developing, demonstrating, right? And then when you actually move into mastery is when you become a high performer and you've achieved success. Wow. So much value, so much insight. You, you talk about powerhouse. Uh, that, that's the word I would describe you. Uh, such incredible, incredible information. Thank you for, for, for all your sharing. You're adding so much value for our listeners. I know so much value for me personally. Let's move to, to pillar four, personal yeah. skills. Personal skills go back to what we talked about when you're developing influence at this level, when you are in the realm of high performance, you have this innate ability 
to connect with people, to influence people, and to persuade people. And persuading people is really where you begin to move the needle in life. This is when you really are an influencer and you have impact. When people listen to you and because of the energy you're bringing, because of the belief that you have in yourself and in what you're asking people to do, they just want to do it. They're just part of it. They're caught up in the momentum. And so your personal skills in the mastery level of high performance, they're so important because you've become this influential leader that every time you talk, people are on edge. They're like, what's Danny going to say next? And I'm so excited to go to this meeting today because I know after this meeting, we're going to move forward to the next level again and again and again, always going up, always ascending, always bringing that high level of intention. And that's where your personal skills at a mastery level of high performance come in. You will see these people. You'll go in a place and you just sit in awe sometimes watching personal masters. Wow. Wow. You know, and it's funny, as you talk about this, what I'm seeing in the pillars is really a mastery of these areas. Mm -hmm. Pillar one, psychology. Pillar two, physiology. Pillar three, productivity. Pillar four, personal skills. And now personal, uh, pillar five, presence. Yes, the presence is all bringing it together, right? How are you showing up each and every day? It goes beyond being clear about it. Now you're embodying it. Are you fully engaged in life? Are you on your A game? When people look at you, when people experience interactions with you, how do they leave feeling? Wow. Wow. And that presence cannot be understated. You will meet people in life that when you interact with them, you leave and you feel energetically charged. Those are the leaders that will impact the world. When, you, when I think about great leaders, great keynote speakers, um, just great people, you're, you're right, you know, presence is so powerful and having that presence and when you're mastering the other pillars and that that turns in and starts to come out through through your confidence and being intentional about your presence and how you're showing up each and every day regardless of what's going on in your life because we've all got struggles and that consistency so so powerful it is and and you'll see all of these all of these components come together to create a holistic strong powerful leader you can't really have one without the other and i think that's a misperception another misperception in our world is that you know this person is really strong in this area or this person is strong they have a great mindset well if you have a great mindset but you don't have a powerful presence no one is going to care about your mindset yeah. Awesome point. Number six, purpose. Ah, this is the best. Are you living in alignment and fully congruent with the best within you? It goes back to all of these components, bringing them all together. Are you seeking clarity? Are you generating energy? 
Are you connected deeply with your why, your purpose, the importance of the things you're doing? Are you increasing your productivity, developing influence, demonstrating courage? Are you showing up as a master of psychology, physiology, productivity, your personal skills and your presence? You bring it all together with purpose. Why did you wake up today? What are you going to accomplish? At the end of your life, what's the legacy that you're going to leave? Wow. You know, in our closing, in our closing, I was going to go back and kind of recap the six habits of high performing leaders, the six pillars of high performance. You have nailed the closing. I, I no longer need to do that. So incredible to have you with us on the Leadership Excellence podcast, Julie. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you, Danny, for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's really vital that we take our roles as leaders very seriously and show up every day as the absolute best versions of ourselves. And in that, through that, we're going to create a world that we truly want to have. Wow. So true. So powerful. So we've been talking with Julie Ruska. She's the CEO, owner, CEO and owner of Powerful Leaders. For more information on Julie and her company, you can go to PowerfulLeaders.com. I strongly encourage, if, if you're on LinkedIn and you're not following Julie on LinkedIn, you've, you've got to do that. Let me spell her name for you. It'll, it'll, it'll be within the notes. But Ruska is H-R-U-S-K-A. So Julie Ruska, go follow her on LinkedIn. She's putting out a short video nearly every day, if not every day, very motivational, very encouraging, bringing everything together. We just, you just added so much value here to our listeners. Thank you for joining us on this leadership journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share the Leadership Excellence podcast with your network. Consider giving us a rating or review. This helps us reach and help so many more people because that's what this podcast is about. And most importantly, always be committed to excellence.